Hello everyone and welcome to our service today and welcome to all of you joining us from home as well. God assures us in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your promises to us and we want to seek you with all our hearts as we worship you and hear you speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's my pleasure now to invite our lay pastor for seniors, Mick Terrington, who's going to bring the message for us today. As you come up, Mick, I'd like to pray for you before you bring us the message from the word. Father God, we thank you for our brother Mick. We thank you for his faithful service uh, throughout our church and especially for our seniors. And Lord, we pray that just as Mick has been led by your spirit as he's prepared this message, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through him. And Lord, that we would be open to all that you would say to us through your word. We thank you for Mick, Lord, and we just pray your blessing upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Mick. Good morning and welcome. Um, it's wonderful to be here and Happy New Year to each and every one of you. It's a little bit late, I know, but it's um, just good to celebrate God, isn't it? When I um, first arrived in Australia in 1966 from the UK, I quickly became to realise that Australians don't give too many compliments. In fact, in some ways, it's a little bit like a reverse psychology. You were accepted by Australians when they were giving you a hard time or whether when they were having a laugh at your expense. And so consequently, when I commenced my working life in Australia, I was known as the POM. It was never Mick or Michael, it was just the POM. In 1966, um, Brits were known as Pommies, with sometimes an extra word added to that. There were bumper car stickers, grow your own dope and plant a POM. Today, um, my friends, it's not politically correct to um, name a person after the country of origin, but in 1966, it was common terminology. About six months after commencing work in Australia, a work colleague came to me and he placed his hand on my shoulder and he gave me the greatest compliment I have ever received from an Australian. He said, Mick, as far as poms go, you're not too bad. <laughs> it wasn't Mick, you were a great guy. It was as far as poms go, you're not too bad. And my friends, on that day, I thought, yes, I am accepted. This is as good as it's going to get in Australia. And believe me, that was the best compliment from an Aussie I have ever received. Mick, as far as poms go, it's not too bad. And being English is part of my identity. And as we come to the book of Colossians this morning, the Apostle Paul is reminding the Colossian church of their identity, their identity in Christ. Thanks, Dory. It is found in Colossians chapter 3 
and verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May the Lord encourage and challenge us through his word. Thanks, um, Dory, for bringing us that reading this morning. The nature of the Colossian heresy has been hotly debated over the years, and some commentators believe that the Colossian church had been infiltrated by false teachers who were introducing a combination of ideas and philosophies from other religion known as syncretism. Syncretism. It appears that these false teachers were casting doubt on the completeness of the Christian message. They were wanting these young believers to worship angels, to keep certain religious festivals, and to obtain some course of secret knowledge before being fully saved and perfected in Christ. Consequently, these young Colossian believers were having doubts about their faith and feeling insecure and the Apostle Paul addresses this issue by reminding these young believers that they are chosen people, that they are holy and dearly loved by God. Just as English is part of my identity, for these Colossian believers, their identity is found in the fact that they have been chosen, that they are holy and dearly loved by God. In the Old Testament, we read where God chose Israel out of all the other nations to be his people, his treasured possessions, for no other reason than the fact that he loved them and he called them to be a holy nation. Just listen to what God says to the children of Israel. For you are a people holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people, but it was because the Lord loved you. And now the Apostle Paul takes the characteristic titles of Israel, the fact that God's people are holy, chosen, and dearly loved, 
and he transfers these titles onto the believers at the Colossian church. But my friends, the wonderful news this morning is that God sees each and every one of us as chosen, as holy, as dearly beloved people. This is our identity in Christ. That God chose you. That God chose me before the foundation of the world to be his child. My friends, that should and does just blow our minds to get our heads around the fact that before the creation of the world, God saw us and he chose us. Ephesians 1.4 says this, For he chose us in him, that is Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We are chosen of God. And secondly, we are holy. The word holy means to be consecrated or to be set apart. And you might say this morning, Mick, I don't um, feel I'm holy. I'm not holy. And I think we can all identify with that. But my friends in Christ, you are holy. And whilst there's a work of God's Spirit, an ongoing work of sanctification, which is sometimes referred to as progressive sanctification, where the Spirit of God is constantly transforming you into the image of Christ, there is also a positional sanctification, whereby in God's eyes, you are declared holy this morning. Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, God sees Jesus' righteousness, and I and you are declared holy. The Apostle Peter declares that we are a chosen people. But you are a chosen people, he says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So that you might declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are chosen. You are holy. And we this morning are dearly loved. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. My friends, you only have to look at the cross. You only have to look at the death of Jesus to see how much God loves us. He died for us, so much so that while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated his love towards us. My friends, this is our identity in Christ. We are chosen, we are holy, and we are dearly loved. And understanding who we are in Christ this morning is a foundation to our relationship with God. And this morning, there might be some here, some who are watching, who have struggled with this concept. I've known lovely Christian people who have been Christians for many years, but who struggle with this concept of identity and being accepted by God. 
They struggle at accepting and acknowledging the fact that they are chosen, the fact that they are holy, the fact that they are dearly loved. And maybe you're one of those people this morning that have always struggled with their identity in Christ. And I want to take this opportunity to pray with you this morning. So even as you sit there, if you would just like to receive this morning from the Spirit of God, let's pray together. Lord, I ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would continue to minister to us in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who are here this morning, that struggle with this concept of identity in Christ, the fact that you have chosen them, the fact that you declare them holy and that they are dearly loved, I pray this morning that by your spirit you would come and minister to your people. Lord, take your word and sow it deep into our spirits this morning. I come against the evil one who would want to come and snatch that word Lord, I ask, dear Lord, this morning that you would just declare and affirm the fact that we are chosen, the fact that we are holy in your sight and that we are dearly loved by you. Amen. Paul goes on to say that as God's chosen people, then clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and patience and humility and gentleness. The metaphor that Paul is using is one of clothes. Take off the old clothes, which Glenda spoke about last week, of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language, and put on a new set of clothes. My friends, it's no good taking off the old clothes. We need to take off the old clothes, but put on the new clothes. One commentator, William Barclay, refers to these as garments of Christian grace. Garments of Christian grace. It's important to notice Paul's progression. Paul is not saying, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and then you will become chosen, holy, and dearly loved. God isn't saying, when we get our act together, when we become compassionate like Jesus, then God will accept us. No, we are accepted in Jesus Christ because of what he has accomplished, because of what he has accomplished on the cross, the finished work of Jesus. My friends, this leads us into a place of wonderful freedom to understand this principle. We don't have to strive day after day after day to feel accepted by God, to feel the fact that we are chosen or holy or dearly loved. We are, and God's word declares that over us, and we need to accept that and believe it and articulate it. Over the years, I have found that we sometimes think about these things. But God wants to lead us as God's people into a place of articulation, to speak these things out. And when you get home during the course of this week, why don't you say, thank you, Lord, that I am chosen by God, that I am holy in your sight, and that I am dearly loved, to speak it out. 
So how do we grow in compassion and kindness and humility and patience and gentleness? As followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we should demonstrate these characteristics, but they often seem out of our grasp. They appear to be detached from us. So we endeavor to strive again and to work at becoming more compassionate and more patient, as if we're involved in some 10-week self-help program to overcome anger. My friends, if we are to grow in compassion and patience and kindness, we need to change our focus and realize that we already have these qualities in Christ. The Apostle Paul states over all of these virtues, these garments of grace, put on love which binds us together in perfect unity. Put on love that binds us together in perfect unity. God has given us the Holy Spirit to transform us into the likeness of Christ. We read in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, which is similar to these characteristics in Colossians. The fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Jesus, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. An apple growing on an apple tree doesn't strive and work to become an apple. It just remains connected to the apple tree. An apple growing on an apple tree doesn't think, oh, I hope I don't become a banana. It just connects to the apple tree and it will become an apple. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, what? You will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. As we abide in Christ and read God's word and pray, the Holy Spirit living within us begins to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. If we hang out with Jesus, we will become more like him. It is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that enables us to forgive one another. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven us. It is the Holy Spirit working in our life who gives us a newfound love for each other, a compassion and gentleness that we never had before. My friends, you and I have not got the resources within us to live the Christian life. It was never God's intention for you and I to live the Christian life. That is why God has given us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. There will be times when we find ourselves in a place where we struggle to forgive another person within the church community because of what has been said or done to us. I'm not saying that that should happen. But there will be times when we struggle to forgive. And in that place, we have a choice, brothers and sisters, we have a choice. We can leave the church community and find another church or we can choose to love and forgive each other because Jesus has forgiven us. If we decide to leave the church community over issues of unforgiveness, 
I guarantee, I guarantee that in our new fan faith community, we will eventually come across the same issue. Different people, different situation and circumstances, but the same issue of unforgiveness. God has placed us in the community of faith so that we might grow spiritually. So when we come to the end of our capacity to forgive, we call out to the Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to forgive as you forgave me. Will you take the anger and resentment that I feel and fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, the spirit of compassion and patience? One of the main themes throughout the whole book of Colossians is that of unity. The false teachers in the Colossian church were creating division and disunity within the fellowship with their religious requirements to keep certain festival and the requirements to worship angels. And consequently, these young believers were beginning to feel inferior and unspiritual. And Paul encourages these believers to forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. He doesn't say go and find another church to the Colossian believers. He says forgive each other. My friends, disunity and division within the body of Christ doesn't come from outside the body of Christ. It comes from within because we have not learnt what it is to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us. We haven't appropriated the new garments that the Holy Spirit has given us in Christ, the garments of grace and love that comes from Christ. When was the last time? When was the last time you? When was the last time I? Invited the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, to fill us with the compassion of Jesus, to fill us with the humility of Christ, to fill us afresh with the patience of Christ. The transformation that is brought about by the Holy Spirit leads us, as Chris says, to a place of thankfulness. Paul reminds the Colossian church let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body we are called to peace and be thankful. In the space of two verses, Paul emphasizes this theme of thankfulness and gratitude. He goes on to say, Let the word of God dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. These false teachers who had infiltrated the Colossian church wanted to lead these young believers back into bondage by requiring them to keep certain rules and regulations. But the Apostle Paul is emphatic. He says, no, we have everything we require 
and need in Jesus Christ. You, my friends, this morning are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You are children of God and joint heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells you and is transforming you into the image of Jesus, and you are free in Christ. My friends, surely this should lead us into a place of gratitude and thankfulness and worship for all that Jesus has gone and accomplished. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you this morning that your word declares that we are chosen by you before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Lord, that in Jesus we are seen as holy, that you have dearly loved us and you have demonstrated that love once for all on the cross of Calvary. And we pray this morning that, Lord, you would fill us by your Holy Spirit afresh. Lord, that these garments of grace, compassion and kindness and patience and gentleness, Lord, would flow from the inside, would flow from you, Lord. And Lord, we bless you and we worship you for all that you have done in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. Thank you so much, Mick, for your wonderful message this morning. And uh, I pray it will be a great encouragement to all of us as we look forward to all that God has for us as his church this year. Bless you, everyone, and have a great week.